0: or a psalm of Solomon, and it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand and watch in vain. In vain you rise early and you stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offering a reward from him, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Thanks, Steve. Thanks very much, Ed. I think I should be on. Sometimes I don't think we really connect building a house with god how many of us would tend to connect those two things probably not too many of us we tend to think you know as long as you get council approval and the bank will give you a loan that yeah i'll put it down sorry that the council will give you a loan that uh you'll be right to go you can build your house and um, maybe there might be a few prayers if there 's bad weather in the building of the house, but we probably don 't tend to think of God as part of the building process and yet this psalm says, "Unless the Lord builds the house." I have really been blessed preparing for this psalm it 's taken on a richness and a depth and a meaning because of the significance of what will come out in Uh, looking through this psalm so let's pray and ask for God to really touch our hearts and give us a spirit that's open to him as our builder and watchman let's pray our father and our God we bless you and thank you that you have given us the scriptures the Bible is your word inspired by you we thank you that it's a lamp for our feet It's a light for our path so that we might walk in paths of righteousness, that we might learn and understand more of you and your ways. Please help us to take on board this psalm. Speak to us and enrich our understanding. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it may appear that there's a real disconnect between... What this psalm says and the reality of living in Australia where it's um, you go through certain processes and then you can get underway with building. Psalm 127 is called a wisdom psalm and it pairs with Psalm 128 which is also a wisdom psalm. It's written by King Solomon and Solomon did build a few things. He built his own palace, a house on a huge scale He built the temple, the house for God. So he knew a thing or two about building and his intention was to instruct us through this psalm about the significance and place of God in all of these things. Notice in this psalm there's no direct call on God to do anything. There's no appeal, Lord help us, rescue us. There's no petition or intercession. There's not even really any praise. That's why it's called a wisdom psalm. It's, what it's doing is it's, it's just teaching us a lesson that if we have ears to hear, we will benefit enormously from taking on board. So it just begins with a statement and it proceeds through. There's, like, there's two halves to the psalm. Verses 1 and 2 make these statements and then verses 3 to 5 really illustrate it, if you like. So, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And then it talks about children are a heritage from the Lord. And we'll look at that. So, the, the psalm begins by highlighting something every human being needs to learn but often the hard way. And that is this, that by themselves, working hard and being vigilant are not what counts in life. By themselves, working hard and being vigilant are not what counts in life. We often greet one another and say, how are you going? Working hard And we we put a premium, particularly in Christian circles, on working hard, a good Protestant work ethic. And there's nothing wrong with that. And this psalm is not decrying that. It's just saying that's not all that's important in life. There's something else as well. So the first part of verse 1 applies it individually. The second part applies it corporately. So it says, "...unless the Lord builds the house..." The builders labour in vain. But unless the Lord watches over the city, that's corporate, the guards stand watch in vain. So a house is a building for a family and uh, lots of work goes into completing it. But as we're seeing in the news with these horrific bushfires, there's no guarantee that all your hard work will mean that you get to raise your family in that house. In fact, one of the amazing things that's happening is some people are choosing to stand and defend their house and they lose it. And other people flee their house and they come back and it's left standing. That in itself shows us that hard work and being watchful and vigilant in and of themselves are not all that counts in life. There's something else going on here that this psalm wants us to take on board. A whole city is made up of many buildings, lots of hard work building buildings. And, but we read in the Old Testament time after time after time That if the Lord has decreed a city will fall, the watchman will stand guard in vain over the walls of that city. It will fall. This psalm is not saying hard work and vigilance are a waste of time, so why bother? It doesn't say that. It's pointing out that hard work and vigilance alone cannot guarantee our safety and security and the achievement of our dreams and aspirations. This is where an insurance salesman, if there's any insurance people here, they might say, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, you need insurance on your house. Well, let me tell you a true story. Many years ago, I was told the story of how difficult it was to build Rokeby Presbyterian Church, their building. And it's over on Hobart's eastern shore. If any of you know where Rokeby is, then you'll get an idea of the neighbourhood. It's uh, probably a a little bit along the lines of what Mayfield or Rochelea or Ravenswood might be here. So after the slab was poured and the frame erected, they encountered a major problem. What they built during the day was taken apart and stolen at night. Everything pallets of bricks, doors, windows, guttering, tools. Windows they had installed the previous day were gone in the morning. Guttering they'd put around was all taken down overnight. The insurance company required extraordinary measures be taken or they would refuse to cover the project. So their premiums went up. Heavy-duty grills had to be installed. As soon as a window was put in, they had to put on the security grills. No building materials could be left unattended. Everything had to be tied down, locked down, locked away or taken away overnight. So they tried desperately to fast-track the building process to lock-up stage, but it just it kept happening. Police stepped up patrols in the area. A few church members actually tried to take turns staying on site overnight to uh, stem the tide of what was happening. Original cost estimates blew out. Additional loans had to be uh, renegotiated for finance. Uh, The builders got jack of it all at one stage because their tools got stolen and all kinds of things and they, they almost pulled out of the project. It caused a nightmare. An absolute nightmare for the pastors and elders of the Rokeby Presbyterian Church just trying to build their building. So what they did was they called a prayer meeting. Consistent, weekly prayer meeting. And it was only after they got things going with the prayer meeting that they started to see an improvement. Their insurance company was no real help to them. The builders did the best they could. But they couldn't prevent what was going on in human hearts. And this psalm, Psalm 127, took on extra special significance to that church. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. In the end, prayer was more help to them than their insurance policy. And at the end of the day, the Lord is showing us through King Solomon's words that it won't be our insurance policy, it won't be our bank account, it won't be our, our retirement fund, our superannuation, it won't be even our hard effort, our best efforts that is going to enable us to succeed in life. What really counts is God's merciful blessings his merciful blessing on what we do. That's why you'll often read in the scriptures, Lord, bless the works of our hands, bless the fruit of our womb, bless us, bless the fields, because Israel grew up knowing that unless the Lord did the work, they would labour in vain. One commentator describes it this way, Because Psalm 127 puts it in the negative, unless, 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 if you flip it around and put it in the positive, what it's saying is this. It's wise teaching designed to build confidence in God's loving care in the grind of daily life. It's wise teaching designed to build confidence in God's loving care in the grind of daily life of daily life. That's what this psalm is teaching us. So in the grind of daily life where rust corrodes our cars and our security doors, where thieves break in and steal our tools and valuables and moths will eat that wedding dress that's packaged away neatly in the back uh, of your cupboard, our confidence needs to be in God and his gracious compassion and his loving kindness, his provision for our needs. The solution to life's problems and accidents does not lie ultimately in working harder and watching more carefully or worrying ourselves into fretful sleep. It doesn't lie in becoming helicopter parents hovering around trying to prevent every single accident and and trying to be God for our children and deliver them. Neither does it lie in just saying, well, what's the point? I give up. I'm not going to do anything. Despair is not the solution. Giving up is not the solution. Hard work's not the total answer. Psalm 127 is teaching us that without faith, we miss out on so much from God. We will miss out on so much from God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it pictures for us what Jesus meant when he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and these other things, what we'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear, where we'll live, will all be given to us as well. Our Heavenly Father knows that we need these things and he will not withhold them from us. But if we act like we're the ones responsible and we're the ones that have to do everything, God may well say right, we'll go ahead and you be your own provider, you be your own builder, you be your own security system and we'll see what happens. But Psalm 127 takes us another step further. It's one thing to know intellectually that working hard and being vigilant is ultimately what not, count, not what counts in life, but it's quite another thing to overlook God completely. To forget God. And this psalm highlights the foolishness of living apart from God. The foolishness of living apart from God. Think of it this way. I want to ask you this question. How many builders are mentioned here? How many watchmen are mentioned here? It says, unless the Lord builds, we build in vain. There's two builders. It says unless the Lord watches, the guard stands watch in vain. There's two watchmen. And it's not our building and our watching that is of ultimate decisive significance. It's what's from above. It's the maker of heaven and earth. It's what we say in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The maker of heaven and earth is the builder of all things. So, this psalm is saying to us, we're fools if we try and live life apart from God. So, it's not just saying, it's not only hard work and vigilance, it's saying, if we leave God out of the equation, we we really miss out completely. To put it in modern terms, Psalm 127 is teaching us that God's the owner-builder. We're just... The builders laborers think about it again this way at the end of a building contract who gets to live in the building the builder or the owner unless you're an owner builder the builder walks away this is saying we might build our homes, we might build our lives, we might do things. God is the owner of all things. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the, he's the boss. We just get tenancy rights. We are tenants in what we call our own. Even our bodies are not our own, we bought with a price. Our bodies are described as the temple of the Holy Spirit. The psalm is teaching us the utter foolishness of trying to live life apart from God. Pretending we're the ones that are in control. He's the owner builder. We're the tenants and we overlook this to our peril. A key part of the life of faith is knowing our help and security rests in the Lord our God. He made us and not we ourselves. Psalm 100 verse 3, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. How foolish for a sheep to pretend he's his own boss or needs needs no protection because he's up to the job and he can do it himself. How foolish for us to think we don't need God. Proverbs 21:31 reminds us the horse is made ready for the day of battle but victory belongs to the Lord. Victory belongs to the Lord. Human labour is in vain unless it's in keeping with the Lord's sovereign purpose and will. Just think of the things we don't have control over. I found this a very sobering exercise to sit down and try and think of these things. We don't have I didn't have any control over my birthday. I don't know about you, but I didn't. I got born. I didn't have a say in it. I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose my gender. I didn't choose my nice appearance and good looks. The color of skin, hair, eyes, height. We don't get to choose our fertility. Our family Growing old, if you keep eating and exercising and you don't get run over or something, you will get older. Lost time. I don't get any say over what other people think about me or what what they say or what they feel. Prices. Pain. I hit my thumb with a hammer and and it hurts. I, I... You know, I rush rush off and I try and do something to to fix the pain, but I I really have so little control over it. It happens. The weather, the seasons, the past, the number of of our days change. The fact life is not always fair and God's will. These are just a few of the things we do not have control over. We may... we may have some influence on them, but ultimately we don't have the control. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. It's vain to rise early, to stay up light, late, toiling for food to eat, for He grants sleep to those He loves. You think about it. You, we we struggle to control our tongue. James three verse eight reminds us: No human being can tame literally subdue or control the tongue. The famous Greek lexicon, BDAG, uh, Bauer, Danker, Aunt, Gingrich, is, that's where the BDAG comes from. And it explains the meaning of the word used in James 3, eight as to reduce from an uncontrolled to a controlled state, to subdue, to tame, to domesticate, to control. So just as some animals can't be domesticated, we can't domesticate our tongue. How many of us have said things we regret? How often have we said, why did I say that? Or I should have said that and I didn't. We, we have such difficulty controlling our tongue. It's interesting, at a circus you don't see sheep or hippos performing, do you? You can't domesticate them they can't be trained dogs have masters cats have owners not masters you you you, anyone with a cat knows that some creatures just can't be domesticated and our tongue reflects our heart and our heart even the heart of a christian is not entirely domesticated by the holy spirit we're troll we're told all the time to submit to the Lord, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. But it, it, it re- requires constant vigilance on our part to just keep submitting our heart and our mind and our spirit to God. All we like sheep have gone astray. Sin has poisoned our hearts and minds. And the desire and illusion of being in control runs very deep in us. Sherry Turkle, in a TED Talk back in 2012, offered this insight into how modern technology feeds our illusion of being in control. I found her comments very helpful, very insightful. She said, when I I ask people, what's wrong with just having a face-to-face conversation? Those, Those people say, I'll tell you what's wrong with that. It takes place in real time and you can't control what you're going to say. And she went on to say, so the bottom line is, texting, emailing, posting, all of these things let us present the self as we want to be seen. We get to edit and that means we can delete. Ooh, oh, no, I'll change that. And when we've got it just right, press send and then you might, oh, I forgot. yep yeah. But we try and edit what people perceive about us and how they see things. And modern technology feeds into this illusion in our hearts that we can be in control. The quest for the perfect selfie seems to be never-ending. Even the earth and the whole universe are subject to forces beyond their own control. Volcanoes, earthquakes, cyclones... Lightning strikes, bushfires, meteorites, dark holes, cosmic rays, all of these things have an effect. Only God has full and final control of all things. No one shares his rule. No one has a name in common with him. No one else has the power to cast body and soul into hell. Only God. He's unique. That's why he's the only true God. And it's so foolish to live without him. And this psalm is saying, unless the Lord builds the house of our life, we're going to build in vain. Unless the Lord watches over all our activities, we're going to stand guard in vain. It's going to be vain to stay up late and toil and work hard. He gives to us sleep. While we're asleep, he's working. He who keeps Israel does not slumber or sleep. We need the sleep. God doesn't need sleep. He's the one in control. So you can see these first two verses are just highlighting God, God, we need God, the maker of heaven and earth. Jeremiah reminds us of this in a memorable way when he says in Jeremiah 10 For the practices of the peoples are worthless. They cut out a tree of the forest, cut down a tree of the forest. Craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with a hammer and nail and nail, so it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. No one is like you, Lord. The living and true God, you are great and your name is mighty in power. Who should not fear you, O King of the nations? This is your due among all the wise leaders of the nations and in all their kingdoms there is no one like you. Psalm 127 is picturing that for us. We might think making idols and worshipping them is ridiculous, and rightly so. But then we try to live our lives like we're the ones in control. At least those that that worship idols know they're not the ones in control. They just worship the wrong God. We tend to make ourselves God and, and want to do things our way. So verse 2 pictures the reality of living under God's rule. In vain you rise early, stay up late, toiling away, for he grants sleep to those he loves. This is a picture of trust. Being able to entrust our cares and worries into God's hands. So At the end of the day, we can say, Lord, I've done all I can do. I, I've, I'm human. I have to resign from pretending to be in control. I'm going to sleep. And I leave it with you. And we leave our, our troubles and our worries with God, who's at work while we're asleep. They say a labourer's sleep is sweet. At the end of the day, have, have a shower and a good meal and just go to sleep after a good day's work. Decades ago, my parents owned a Caltech service station in Brisbane. I used to work there after school and during school holidays. One of our customers was a really hard-working, tanned and fit-looking builder named Stan Remens. And Dad paid him to build, uh, to concrete our driveway. And I came home at one stage and and I looked out the window and I've got this vivid picture to this day in my mind of, of, of Stan. He'd been, instead of building a whole driveway, Dad chose tracks. So he had the two tracks, and he and his apprentice had dug out the two tracks and boxed it all. But it was back in the in the 70s, and he's, he's mixing everything by hand. It was a boiling hot, humid uh, Queensland day and he's, he's got the mixer going, and he's there trying to screed it all off, and he's just standing back, and he's leaning on his shovel, and he gets out his hanky, and he just wipes his brow, and he looks out over what he's doing. He's really been toiling hard to concrete these driveway tracks. And it wasn't long later, only a few months later, I became a Christian, and then it wasn't long after that, um, dad said to me uh, look if Stan Reamer's wife comes in I want you to be very, very careful what you say to him, uh, to her and I said oh wife oh, don't tell me they've divorced or something and, and he said no Stan had a heart attack and died I remember this fit looking guy he'd been toiling hard just a few months before digging our driveway now he's gone and I I wonder where Stan was now. Did he know God? Did he know there were two builders in his business? Did he know that on the job site there were two builders? He referred to Jesus Christ a fair bit, but it didn't seem to be in a worshipful way. I don't think Stan understood this psalm. I don't think all the effort that he put in has really helped in the long run in his life. It's just foolish to live apart from God. The fool says in his heart there is no God. I'm the builder and owner and occupier and watchman of the house of my life, says the fool. How short-sighted unless the Lord builds a house. The last half of this psalm paints a picture of the life of one who has gained wisdom and realises there must be two builders, two watchmen, and gets them in the right order. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. So look at verses 3 to 5. Children are a heritage from the Lord offspring a reward from him now again just saying that verse there's something here we must not miss the line of inheritance isn't traced from parents to children it's traced from children back to God children are a heritage from the Lord offspring a reward from him You talk to any couple who are desperately trying to conceive a child and they will understand how true this is. Mothers give birth to children but they can't conceive by themselves. Even a man and wife may produce a child but even then it's only by the grace of God. The last half of this psalm shows us that we need to understand that house isn't just about a building, it's about a household. It's using the word house in both ways. It it does mean in the sense of building and the toil of our hands, but it's also in the sense that we just read about on Christmas Day in Luke 2. Luke's Gospel says Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Psalm 127 reminds us that God is working his purposes out through human history and through family lines. When David wanted to build God a house to dwell in, the temple, God declared that he would build David a house. He said, I'll build you a house. And it wasn't, it wasn't a house made with hands. It was a house made without hands. It was a household, a line that would go through to Jesus, the son of David, who would redeem us from all our worries and all our, all our woes. All our sin. God declared that he would build David that house. The promised Messiah was understood to descend from the house of David. Meaning the household lineage that God would use to bring the Messiah into the world. Later Jesus would say, destroy this temple, this house, his body, and in three days I will raise it up. If ever there was a countercultural psalm for us, it's Psalm 127. It reminds us of the folly of trying to do life, any part of life, whether it's the building part and the toiling part, or whether it's thinking that, yeah, well, I'll get everything in order and 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 then we will we'll start a family. You may not necessarily start the family that you desire unless the Lord is in it, unless the Lord grants conception, unless the Lord is merciful. The line of descent isn't from parents to children, it's back to God, the builder of all things. The message that this psalm drives home to us is that apart from the blessing of God, all our work and vigilance, our hopes in life will be in vain. They will amount to a pile of sawdust or dust and ashes of no lasting consequence. At every turn, this psalm teaches us that God is central and essential to our existence. We can build and make things, even produce children, but apart from God, there's no guarantees in life. Job understood this the day he stood by the graves of his ten children and, and his servants, and he said, The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. These are the words of a man who knew God, who understood Psalm 127, who understood that, that he needed what God alone could supply. That he needed the Heavenly Father to do all things. That's the vocabulary of faith. These are the words of faith seeking understanding. And verses 4 and 5, when it says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior and uh, children born in one's youth, blesses the man whose quiver is full of them, they will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. This describes the blessing of a family which remains together. Where grown-up sons and daughters stand up for their ageing parents and will protect them. This was written in the age when there there was no social security system, there was no age pension, there was no superannuation. And our trust, the trust was placed in children to look after their ageing parents. And anyone who did not have children would have difficulties because they were vulnerable and could be taken advantage of. I know that, um, without going into any detail, but when we put Rob's mum in a, in a nursing home, that you quickly realise that in a nursing home all is not necessarily um, the best place to possibly be. Uh, things get stolen, people have dementia and they wander around and they say and they do things that um, you may not like and you could have someone crying out in pain in the room opposite you. You just don't have control. And unless you have children who are able to stand up and look after mum or dad, it must be very difficult for those that don't have that. Instead of everyone doing what's right in their own eyes, this psalm pictures a family where the parents have taught their children, they're like arrows in the hands of a warrior, they run straight and true. Children born in one's youth, so now these youths, you were young and you had children and now you're older and they've grown up and they're able to protect you they're able to look up for you look out for you and defend you at the gates of the city when people might uh, accuse you of something if you had children in what ways does your family life display the reality of this psalm how does your home life show the primary builder and watchman is God. If you want to establish a family line, that, that, a dynasty, if you like, that will survive over the decades, then you're going to have to seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. You're going to have to realise that the Lord is the builder and the maker of all things. Because the time will come when you won't be there and you can't control what the next generation is going to do. There's only one builder and one watchman who matters, who'll be around to watch over your family line. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. His input makes all the difference. I want to close by just reading Psalm 128, the complimentary psalm to... 127, because it states positively what 127 has warned us about and taught us about. Psalm 128, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing of the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And even then it's only by the grace of God because there are godly parents, oh sorry, godly people who don't get to see the reality of that. Our hope is in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we bless you so much for your faithfulness and grace. We thank you that you supply our needs. We thank you that you are faithful and you do all things. We thank you that you are the God who is the maker of heaven and earth. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your holy care, for the encouragement of trusting you, of knowing that you are the builder and maker of all things. Help us to learn this lesson. Help us, we pray. To not presume upon your goodness. To not think that things are under our control. There's so many things that you alone control. We just have the tenancy rights, we just have the use of them while we're here, even our bodies. So help us, our Father, our Heavenly Father, to trust your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ that he is building his church, that he is building the people of God, that he is building in faithfulness, that he is building with gold and silver and precious stones and not wood, hay and stubble, that he does all things well. Help us to trust you with our lives, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to understand which builder, which watchman needs to be given priority and that we would take the second place. Show us how to play second fiddle to your building, to your watching, to your mercy and to your grace. If any here are struggling with any of these matters, Lord, whether it be infertility or whether it be just grappling with things beyond their control, grant your peace, we pray. Help them to draw near to you and to trust you, to really dump their cares and worries on you so that they can lay their head on their pillow at night, knowing that you are still at work. You will grant your beloved sleep. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together.